Hello there, everyone, and welcome to the UCL Careers Podcast. My name is Joe Budd, and I'm a careers consultant here at UCL. In today's episode, we hear from four professionals on what it's like to work in the heart of government. This discussion was recorded during the UCL Careers Government and Policy themed week, which explores the multidisciplinary nature of working in government and how you can adapt your experiences if you're thinking about pursuing a career in this area. In this episode, you will hear from Georgie, a project manager from the Cabinet Office, Martin, a financial planning advisor from the Ministry of Justice, Andre, who works in the Fraud Policy Unit, Tenez, who is a generalist at the civil service Farstream, and today's conversation is being led by Nashima Bashar, our internships and vacancy officer here at UCL Careers. You will hear from each of our panellists talking about their career journey since graduating, as well as their advice on what you can do with your time at UCL to help you build your skills and experiences toward a career working within government bodies. You'll also learn about the various routes you can take to get into the civil service itself. So let's get into it. In terms of our guests today, thank you for being here. We have Andre, Georgie, Tines, and I believe Martin has not joined us just yet, but will be with us hopefully shortly. So if we crack on, uh, Georgie, thank you for being here this evening. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your role? What does a pro project manager within the cabinet office do? What does your role look like? Sure. So hi, everyone. I'm Georgie. Um, I work in the cabinet office as a project manager. Um, I'm sure most of you are saying, what on earth does that mean? Cabinet office um, doesn't really say what, do what it says on the tin um, like other departments do. Um, but I work in a subsector of um, cabinet office called the National Leadership Centre. Um, which was created way back when in uh, 2018. So it's fairly new in terms of government uh, initiatives and organisations. And I lead the design and delivery of a learning and development course for senior public service leaders. Um, so these are the likes of director generals in civil service, um, chief executives of hospitals, chief constables, anyone who's at the top of their game in um, their sector within public service. Um, is on our course um, and we have about 100 or so come on our course each year. Um, of course, um, this year has been a bit of a um, curve um, with going online versus bringing together those leaders physically. Um, but I lead the project management of that. So I lead a team of about three um, learning and delivery specialists who help me uh, with the learning and development side of things rather than delivery. Um, and um, we deliver a course throughout the course of a year, an academic year. Um, I also lead on the event delivery of a national leadership forum where we bring together um, all of those leaders. So that's about 1,200 across the UK um, into an event where they are able to be together um, in whatever sense that means, physically or online. Um, and they talk about leadership struggles, challenges, issues that they're all facing um, in an interactive environment. Um, so that's my role in a nutshell. Thank you, Georgie. And prior to that, um, prior to working within the role that you're in at the moment, you did a graduate scheme with the National Audit Office. Is that right? Yeah, of course. Um, so tell us a little I'll bit about ahead. that. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about that and how you found the transition from university going on to their graduate programme? 
Sure. So um, I finished my master's at UCL in 2016 um, and I was unsure as to what path to follow next. Um, sort of saw the pool of graduate schemes that were available um, and applied for a couple, one of which was the National Audit Office. Um, so the application process um, was sort of um, written and then you went in for uh, an assessment day like many other graduate schemes. Um, and after, I think within a day or so, they got back to me. So they were super speedy in that sense. Um, the HR is, is amazing in that in that respect. Um, but the position that I, I was on was a an auditor um, program. So three years long where you would do um, a series of examinations to become a chartered, a chartered accountant at the end of it. Um, and I worked within... Um, the Ministry of Defence accounts. So the National Audit Office, for all that don't know, holds government to account on what exactly they're spending uh, and why. Um, so the Audit Office is both audit, but it's also investigations based. So there's two branches to their organisation um, and we were involved in both of those um, throughout the course of three years, um, primarily in Ministry of Defence. Um, and that's probably where my interest in actually getting involved in where the money was being spent and moving across the government came from, rather than you know sitting on the outskirts and pointing the finger when they were spending money a bit unwisely let's say. Um, I'd imagine um, many students here today would resonate with that sort of having lots of graduate schemes that are being advertised and not exactly sure where to head and what is sort of of interest to them. Um, was there any skills that you found you very much benefited from at university or that you developed that you carried forward um, in your graduate scheme and that you found really helpful? Sure, I guess um, for the initial sort of um, interview and, and assessment day, um, definitely skills that, that I learned throughout my degrees were um, personal presence and presenting yourself in a, um, a clear and concise and com confident manner. Um, that gets across the message um, which you want to. Um, so I would definitely encourage um, students to take um, any opportunity to present their work or what they're thinking um, with two hands um, rather than shy away from it. I definitely shied away from it initially, but realising how much it would help you further on in, in interviewing and, and applying for things um, is worth its weight in gold, I think. Thank you. Um, just what you've touched upon leads to my next question, which is around for anyone interested in this area who's starting out, would there be any advice that you'd offer from where you're sort of looking at your own career path at the minute? Sure. So I would definitely recommend um, reaching out to those individuals who perhaps work in the HR department on those grad schemes. They have specific people who are there and waiting for your email to come in uh, on a query on, on what that, um, whatever you might have on that grad scheme and how to approach the application process, for example. Um, one thing which is also quite useful with, with approaching grad schemes is many of the organization makeup is made up of people who have gone through that grad scheme. Um, and I would highlight the National Audit Office as there are no silly questions because everyone has been in your shoes at some time or another in the past however many years. Many of them started off as grads and it's a well-established grad scheme as I'm sure many others are. Um, so do a little bit of LinkedIn stalking. It doesn't hurt nowadays um, to reach out to someone and say, hey, what was your experience um, with, with doing the scheme? Would you recommend it? Are there any tips and tricks? But also reach out to those who work in HR too. 
um, because they are there to help rather than hinder your application. Thanks, Georgie. And in terms of just within university itself, would you recommend students take up sort of voluntary work or take part in societies? And what do you think they can take from that or those sort of activities and bring towards um, sort of graduate schemes or future employment? Can you offer any advice? Sure. So I, I guess um, in terms of civil service, if I put my civil servant hat on, um, applications are competency-based or um, strengths-based and they look for experiences and examples that you can provide that demonstrate you have a skill or behaviour um, from all walks of life so um, even if you haven't you know had multiple um, internships or work experience placements you can draw examples from all areas of your life whether that be volunteering um, at a society um, a university society or I don't know heading up some some other group um, I would definitely value those experiences more so and um, it can be just talking to someone who perhaps is in post in civil service and asking them what examples would you draw from given that I'm a university student I perhaps don't have work experience um, like others do but where can I draw um, a behaviour and write it down in a succinct manner, which will tick a box and, and get me through to the next stage of interviewing? Um, it's worth saying that I've been on recruitment panels where we have recruited um, new grads versus those who've been in, in, in jobs for multiple years. And we've placed a, the same sort of value on out of work experiences as well as in work experiences. Um, so I would definitely recommend grabbing all the opportunities that you can, but also um, thinking about why you're doing them and what that will build in terms of your strengths and behaviours going forward. Thank you, that's super helpful. I think students can often underplay part-time jobs or any sort of voluntary work that they've been part of, um, but that is definitely something from what you said, they can showcase you know, at assessment centres and the application towards the uh, civil service. Andre, if I can turn to yourself, please. Um, so you've recently joined the Fraud Policy Unit. Can you tell us a little bit about that? What does your role entail? And what attracted you towards the, the civil service uh, to begin with? Big question. Sure. Um, so I, I joined the civil service in 2016. I graduated from UCL in 2014 with, uh, with my BA in ESPS. And I, uh, I, I worked for two years in London for London Business School, and then I joined the civil service fast stream. Uh, and after graduating from the fast stream, I, I joined the Home Office, worked in strategy for a bit, and then uh, a couple of months ago joined the fraud policy unit. Uh, fraud is uh, quite an insidious crime. It's a, it's more than a third of all crime. It's quite a uh, difficult to solve problem, uh, and the it's kind of the, the the what I greatly enjoy about the civil service is that is it's kind of you it's not just working to make things better for people which you do in, in a variety of public sector jobs but which is hugely inspirational but you work at a systemic level you try and not just help one person two people you try and help everybody right so we have something like 3.7 million uh, victims of fraud every year and my role is I I'm I'm I lead on victims of fraud so trying to figure out how the whole system can work better to support them and to make it all uh, work together between the third sector, law enforcement, government, the financial sector, everybody we can. 
it's a it is a really really interesting role um and the home office is certainly uh uh, a fascinating department it deals with a variety a huge variety of issues from ranging from immigration passports counter-terrorism policing serious and organized crime which is where i work um counter-terrorism uh all sorts of things and you you, you face such as kind of um it's it's both a, a kind of a systemic level so you can try and kind of think about all the different levers you can you, first of all trying to understand the whole system trying to understand what the evidence base is uh you try and think about uh the, the, the sheer scale of it, right? So this is the entirety of the UK government uh, and its response to 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 quite is often quite a, a, a horrific crime and, and and quite a lot of harm caused by it. You try and think about so so uh, and then you think about the kind of the there is a, a certain intellectual challenge in terms of trying to solve it and trying to make things better for a lot of people. Uh, and that's also something that I've I found massively interesting from from working in the civil service. Uh, uh, frankly, and just kind of thinking broader than my current role, uh, there is a massive um, uh, interest, interesting thing about the kind of in, in government, which is that I've never found there to be a boring role. Um, you, you can often do all sorts of different things ranging from finance to operational delivery, so potentially like being a work coach or something like that, or to pol policy or to finance. Every role is interesting, every role is different, and, and it's always something uh, it's always full of people who care and uh, very bright people, people who care, who are trying to make the world uh, make a little bit more sense, really, in which is a particularly appropriate in this day and age. Thank you. Yes, I, I couldn't agree with you more in the sense that I think a lot of students, when they're graduating, they worry, you know, will I enjoy my new role? But it seems as if a lot of the work within the civil service is very multidisciplinary um, and you're sort of drawing on various different skill sets it's not just are you an economist or that sort of thing you know you're, you're drawing on a lot more skills but 3.7 million fraud victims a year is um, an astonishing amount to say the least uh, but your work sounds very very interesting if i just touch on um you mentioned you worked at the lsc prior to uh starting with the civil service so um could you tell us a little bit about that and sort of did you find it beneficial from the moment you sort of graduated getting some work experience under your belt and then applying to the civil service um did you find that sort of advantageous and can you talk a little bit about that sure i mean when, when i graduated i think like like many people who graduate um, i didn't really know what i wanted to do and now i just put my my um my cv on a, on a recruitment website and i was contacted by them and told to apply for for London Business School, where I worked in executive education, so something quite similar to what Georgia actually is doing now, I, I coordinated and managed a series of executive education programs for senior managers from a, a range of different companies. Um, it was a it was certainly an interesting role, and I I, I got a great deal from it. Um, I kind of got to travel. I for me was what I gained probably most from it was understanding of how an office environment works. It's often quite jarring going from a university environment. Even if you had done some sort of voluntary stuff in a uh, in an office or internship stuff in an office environment before, kind of dealing with HR, dealing with emails, I don't know, kind of office etiquette, that is often quite quite a helpful bit of experience. But ultimately, I would say um, very much that any experience uh, of all varieties is massively helpful. Um, this, the, the civil service is there are loads and loads of routes into it right so you don't have to go through the fast stream the fast stream is a very small subset and it's a graduate scheme uh it's it, it's a useful graduate scheme but i mean i i it took me 
three goes to get into it. I, I was thinking of applying in other ways. Many people um, who get very, very far in the civil service or get to the very top roles uh, apply and get in through other, other means. So kind of through just, you know, going on the civil service jobs website and applying for a role. Um, I've, I found my kind of experience also of useful of as gave me a lot of external knowledge around what the world looks like outside the civil service. I think in this day and age, there's no, it's no longer the kind of the long-term career that it once was. It's not the sort, in terms of, I mean, many people still do it that way, but it's not kind of, it's not so different from the private sector or from, from the academic sector or the third sector that you have, you're forced to pick one or the other. I think most people will now expect to do a little bit of public sector, a little bit of private sector in their lives. And it's kind of forms a part of that uh and and it, it's just kind of there are again i would probably say there are many other useful uh public sector jobs i would probably say that kind of working for a local government or for the nhs or for the huge array of different public bodies i don't know the bbc environment agency uh there are big and small employers and all of them have different and probably very very interesting roles that i would recommend doing Thank you so much for that. I think that's really, really helpful just to see the different routes and it took three attempts to get in. So, you know, that's fantastic. You got there. Um, so where you are at the moment, <laughs> where you are at the moment might seem a little bit far fetched just for some of the recent graduates or the students in our audience at the moment. So someone who's interested in the field, what advice would you give to them at the moment? So I would echo much with what Georgie said. Um, I think it's it is very much around um, considering well there's a certain degree of kind of career planning you you probably ought to do and you and recommend looking on the kind of kind of competencies strengths behaviors and trying to think about your kind of career development in in the context of of where you are now and what sort of stuff you are doing I, i'd recommend also so i'm i recommend doing some sort of voluntary stuff or some internships i i would say that most internships uh, I, would, sorry, I would suggest that not, there's no necessity to, to rely on internships significantly so. I only ever did one week of internship while I was at university. That's not to say that, I mean, I did some voluntary stuff as well, but um, I think I love, there are, there are plenty of paid internships, and I think those are certainly the ones kind of, uh, people should be looking for. I mean, the civil service kind of offers significant numbers of internships through the Summer Diversity Internship Program and the Early Diversity Program. Uh, uh, so those are certainly worth looking at, um, but I think that again there are many internships across the kind of across the sector. But also, again, it's kind of it's 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 not even about what the experience is, although the experience that is quite useful. It's about how you deploy it and how you use it in interviews, how you understand um, wh what roles to apply for, how you think about um, uh, how you think about um, how to position yourself. And again, again, echoing what Georgia said, talk to people. People, I mean, I mean, for example, I myself, I'm perfectly happy if someone reaches out to me through LinkedIn and asks, how do I get into civil service? I'd be happy to help them out and have a chat. And I think there are many people like that. It's sometimes intimidating to go out and ask, but I think it's a case of there's not there's nothing lost really by going out and asking somebody. If they don't respond to you, they don't respond to you. And you, it's, it's like it's never happened. And if they do respond to you, you might get a really useful uh, conversation out of it. Um, I'd, I'd also say kind of go to events, sign up to reading uh, to distribution lists for think tanks. Um, I mean, going to events in, in person is more difficult now, but actually now that probably means that there are more uh, more spaces available to listen in on. And it kind of there are uh, think tanks and bodies um, for any sort of different thing that you're interested in. 
and uh, it could be the environment it could be i don't know local politics it could be um uh criminal cr crime and justice it could be literally across the entire sector um kind of kind of there's an element of doing some kind of some reading of what those organizations are doing but it's also again it's just thinking about and trying to understand how the particular um, recruitment processes work for each individual organization uh and just at, at some point it's also just a numbers game you just have to kind of you know start applying to stuff and not getting too phased by it um uh eventually i mean it is a little bit there's a little bit of luck involved really uh and and also not getting discouraged as i said I only got in on the third go. Um, many of my peers, likewise, probably only got in on the third go. There are um, that's kind of one of the advantages of why there are so many different grad schemes, which can be a little bit confusing. But I think it's just a case of doing some research. Um, I'd strongly push local government, which is hugely rewarding, and you actually deal with a lot with with kind of more day-to-day -day people. And I mean, local government delivers something like eighty percent of all the services that the everyday citizen actually encounters uh I'd, I'd also say that kind of there's loads of really cool roles even within the civil service so it doesn't have to be policy but it can be policy it can be operations it can be corporate stuff and some of the coolest jobs i've ever done were kind of most kind of appeared to be the most boring back office stuff and actually they were the most rewarding for me from both career perspective but also from uh, actually being able to help people sure thank you so much andre i think definitely um if there's one thing you take from what Andrea said, it's sort of a voluntary work, especially given the COVID climate, paid internships can be very, very competitive naturally. So at the moment, it might be a little bit more difficult, but um, voluntary work and showcasing those skills in applications, whether it be the civil service or any other governmental organization, um, if it's one thing you take, it's from that. Um, Tinez, uh, if I can turn to you, please. So you're currently in your first year of the civil service fast stream. Can you tell us a little bit about how that's going and sort of any of the work that you've been involved with so far in? Yes, thank you. So hi, everyone. As uh, Nazima said, I'm Tenez. I've graduated from UCL in 2018 in uh, BA politics and East European studies at CIS. Uh, I started with the fast stream in October 2019, so last year, but uh, I had to take a bit of an interruption in the middle due to underlying health reasons, which we'll touch on a bit later. So I've actually carried on my first year posting into this academic year as well so i'll be with my current placement till october 2021 uh, so currently my post i am a assessment policy officer i'm working for the department of work and pensions uh, and what does a policy maker do or what does a policy officer do as jonathan slater who was the policy profession lead up until very recently said a policy maker specialism is delivering outcomes in their specialist policy area so for me it's uh, currently work and benefit policy uh, and as andre had uh, alluded to working in the civil service is about achieving very uh, real world outcomes for individuals or the collective uh, members of the public by enacting the will of our ministers and our secretary of states and those who we elect as our representatives to make those decisions for us and working within the DWP has been really rewarding because it's one of the very few departments that no matter your age you will have come into contact with at some point from the moment you are born to the moment till you pass away there is some level of interaction that you will have with the DWP so it's a fantastically people forward organization and wh where I'm working now is looking at assessment policy and supporting uh, to make uh, assessments for to ensure that people are getting the right kind of benefits and they're on the right kind of benefits as easy as possible. Um, so one of the 
you know, I remember within the first couple of weeks of starting on the fast stream, I was in front of the Secretary of State pitching or supporting one of my colleagues pitching one of the uh, submissions and ideas that we were having quite recently. So that really is a testament to what a career, not just because of being in the fast stream, but being in the civil service can afford you because it is very much very real responsibility from day one. And you are very actively supported by colleagues to be confident and be able to support in sort of those kinds of work. So it isn't a, it isn't a scary, you do have your support of your colleagues and it is very much a practical, real, uh, meaningful work, which is really humbling. Thank you. Um, and I'm sure the audience would like to know sort of about the roots into the civil service, because I know Andre touched on that before. So, um, Tinez, you did an internship within the civil service, within the department previously, and then applied to the civil service fast stream. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Was it the application any different just because you'd already done an internship with um, the civil service? Yes, thank you. So um, I did the Summer Diversity Internship Program back in 2015. So that was when I was in my second year at UCL. And the Summer Diversity Internship Program, as Andre alluded to, is for a particular cohort of students who are uh, either from a BAME background or from a background who are who consider themselves socially or economically disadvantaged or have a disability. And as someone who falls under all three of those categories, I was delighted to come across this opportunity because up until then, I had never really considered a, a career within the civil service or even knew of it as an op opportunity to go into. So when I got on the internship, it was a fantastic moment. It, uh, I was the internship lasted about nine weeks and I was placed in the Foreign and Commonwealth Office uh, in the consular directorate, which supports our British citizens, our British citizens abroad, making sure that they get any help and support that they might need while they're uh, enjoying the holidays or working or whatever they might be doing abroad. Uh, and it was a fantastic really insight, as I said, and not only did it give me the chance to get involved with some real tangible work, which sometimes in internships is hard to come by. Uh, and some of the stuff that I did involved using my specialist knowledge that I had of children, young people's rights and welfare uh, sort of policy and background in order to evaluate their uh, e-learning packages, which had just come in to train the safeguarding, uh, the consular officers on safeguarding. So that was a really good opportunity. But um, as well as the job and the kind of work I got to do, it was a really good opportunity to challenge some of the misconceptions I had about the civil service and the kind of people that work there. And um, I was really pleased to know that none of my misconceptions were held true. And that was one of the reasons I decided to apply and return on graduation. Uh, so one of the differences in terms of uh, the internship to getting on the fast stream, most fast streamers that happened to take on the uh, SDIP after I did, I was one of the unlucky ones. I missed out on what they have now, which is called the fast pass. So if you whilst you complete your SDIP and you get a, a positive review from your line manager, then you in your fast stream application, you get to bypass quite a lot of the early stages and you get straight to the assessment center stage because you will have already have proven and shown competencies uh, in applying for the SDIP and then therefore you get a bit of that privilege as it were. But to be honest, I quite relish the opportunity to redo the uh, different stages again and improve my uh, competencies and really think about that. Um, but yeah, the, and as Andre said, uh, like him, I uh, also was successful my second term, time around, not my first time around on the fast stream, even though I'd done the SDIP, there was, uh, it's not no guarantee of getting a place on the fast stream. It is obviously about building up those skills and awarenesses of competencies. So yeah. 
Perfect. And you are also a disability advocate. Uh, would you like to tell us a little bit about that and anything students who may have a disability, what they should be aware of and actively sort of ask about adjustments, whether that be within the civil service or any other governmental organisation that they apply to? Yes, absolutely. So uh, just as a quick sort of Crazy. I have a condition known as osteogenesis imperfecta or bone disease, which basically means I have very fragile bones. I've had over 200 fractures in my lifetime. I'm 26, so quite a significant number. Uh, and one of the reasons why I'm actually dialing from in bed rather than uh, sitting up in a chair. But uh, growing up, I've come to face various challenges due to being a wheelchair user and having a physical disability. And I know the level of concern it can add when thinking about going into the world of work or even to university. So that's why I've really got involved in this kind of work, trying to support organisations, looking at what they can do better, but also supporting students and feeling more confident in disclosing their conditions to employers. So in terms of top tips, one of the main things I would recommend or suggest is if you're comfortable to and feel able to, I would recommend letting your employer know or potential employer know as early on as possible. And as Georgie said, there are HR people within the graduate schemes which you can email and engage in those conversations even before any graduate uh, application cycles begin so you can really start having those conversations letting them know and the earlier you have these conversations the more time uh, they have to put these things in place and make sure that you get the support that you need and there's various support mechanisms you can get in terms of travel costs help with travel costs help with maybe having a support work or, or even just physical adjustments to make you like more time or the different equipment so there are lots of things you can get access to just make sure you uh, you know reach out to people to get advice and you know disability should never be a barrier to you getting to your dreams and achieving what you want so, and there are definitely mechanisms and uh, support out there to make sure that that isn't the case but yeah it's about having the confidence and making sure you reach out when you can perfect and just slightly related to that is sort of what skills would you say um that you can take from academic studies towards sort of applying with the civil service so similar to what i've asked sort of andre and georgie what would be your take on that Oh, well, sort of uh, had a few things prepared about sort of what I sort of took away or what sort of I think was important to bring to the civil service or any kind of career. And that was sort of creative, diverse and flexible thinking and good communication. So that I think those play quite hand in hand, especially with the coronavirus outbreak. We've all had to think differently, work differently to deliver uh, quite innovative solutions to quite everyday problems. So I really think some, you know, having that's where the advantage is of having recruits and having graduates from a various variety of backgrounds, not straight necessarily straight out of university, having had done other and gotten and got other experiences coming into the civil service can be an advantage because we benefit from sort of having that wide breadth of thinking and experience and knowledge. And that's really, that's something that's advantageous. So I guess promoting what the others said about if you're not necessarily successful getting on the fast stream or through the civil service, through civil service jobs or other ways, go and explore your passions, explore your hobbies and go take up opportunities in there. And you can always come and join the civil service at some point in the future. And again, just touching on good communication, within government and within other organizations you will find yourself communicating with a range of individuals uh internal external members of the public and it's important to feel comfortable and confident in getting your message across in the right way at the right time so working on those skills both virtually so through email and through personal interactions through other means is also something i think it's important to work on if you can 100 thank you i couldn't agree with you more in the sense that soft skills are just as important if 
I mean, arguably, if not more, um, in the sense of communicating, because regardless of what industry you go into, whether that be public sector, private sector, there's going to be a lot of communication going on there. Thank you, Tinez. Uh, Martin, would you um, add anything to what Tinez said in the sense that? Oh. So in terms of you are in your third year of the finance fast stream, that's right. And uh, would you add anything to what Tinez has said um, around the skill set that they're looking for? Um, yeah. Um, no, absolutely. Um, so like Tinez and uh, yeah, like pretty much everyone else's so far, I uh, didn't get on the fostering in my first try. So it was my second. So I'll definitely reiterate that point. Uh, don't give up. Um, as the assessment center itself, if you get to up to that stage, it's quite an experience in and of itself. Um, so yeah, don't let that deter you if you're not successful the first time around. A lot of people, um, yeah, we'll just take them a second or a third try and uh, yeah there's no shame in in that at all um so yeah i mean in terms of, of the skill set like tina said um soft skills are tremendously important um i graduated from ucl back in 2016 and like georgie that was with a master's degree in security studies so yeah that's much more about diplomacy and personally i'm on the finance fast stream so there's not, necess not necessarily a lot of overlap there. So um, yeah, the skills that I really found useful were those soft skills. It was especially around communication, written or otherwise, especially if you're putting advice up to ministers, for instance, then yeah, those written, yeah, th those skills are really, really key. But more generally speaking, um, yeah, soft skills are, in my opinion, at least as important, if not more, um, more than the, the hard skills, especially early on in your career. It's about making those relationships um, yeah, with all your colleagues and not necessarily burying yourself head deep in, into work, but really uh, yeah, developing those relationships, which will help you um, uh, yeah, in the rest of your career as well. Perfect, thank you. And so Mar Martin, you're on the finance classroom. Can you tell us a little bit about how that differs from sort of the generalist, which is what Tinez is on at the moment? Can you give us a little bit of information about that? No, absolutely. So yeah, like I said, um, I'm on the finance fast stream currently in my third year. My first uh, posting was in the MOJ as a finance business partner. I'll get into the details of what that actually, what that means exactly in a second. A uh, second role was over at DWP, where Tines is now. Um, and I was in strategic finance there and now I'm back at Ministry of Justice in strategic planning. Well, back to, to basics really. Um, I think in the finance fast stream really differs from, from the generalist or some of the other schemes in two key regards. One, of course, is the type of role. Um, and the second is the finance qualification. So um, the types of roles and projects that you work on can still vary, cons vary considerably uh, depending on which exact role you get um, once you join the finance fast stream. So generally speaking, there are three job families. There is financial strategy, um, where you work on things like uh, the autumn budget or spending review, um, which some of you might know. Um, yeah, so you would get to work closely with ministers, with policy and strategy colleagues to set really set that future direction of the department. And uh, personally, I found that really interesting and challenging work. Uh, especially, I think, in, in the past several years where we've had to deal with a lot of unexpected events such as COVID and yeah, just dealing with the fallout from that, uh, financial and otherwise. And, I mean, same goes really for, for, for the transition period. 
more generally speaking. So yeah, you get, at times it can be fairly reactive work, but it's really interesting and yeah, looks at uh, those long-term um, yeah, impacts uh, of developments like COVID um, and yeah, some really high uh, exposure to, uh, to, to ministers, for instance. And then second job family is financial business partnering, um, where you help departments deal with uh, large projects or help particular areas within the departments deal with their, their finances. And the third area is financial control and operations. And that's really the technical accountancy roles. Personally, that's not what I enjoy, but others do very much. So the, those are uh, yeah, can be internal or external reporting tasks, tax risk compliance, thing, things like that. And yeah, so that, of course, that is where a key difference between the finance and some of the, the other uh, streams, such as the generalist, where you'd be making policy, for instance. And the second big difference is, of course, the finance qualification. And I think that's also a big benefit of the, the finance fast stream is that you get the opportunity to complete a, a recognized uh, uh, finance qualification. So um, yeah, you currently get the option between a number of those. I'm studying the ACA and it's effectively a three-year program in which you have to do a number of exams and have to go through professional development skills and things like that. But at the end of the day, after after three years out of the four years that the final fast stream is long, um, you'd be uh, qualified and you have that qualification. Uh, it does mean, of course, that you're also in college for, for a fair bit. Uh, because it is a significant part of your finance fast stream journey. But I think it's a really big benefit to have that on top of your day-to-day yeah, -day exposure uh, as well. So uh, yeah, two key differences. And uh, yeah, I think that the finance qualification is a big benefit as well. Brilliant, definitely, yes. I think um, a lot of students don't realise how many different sort of family groups, as you mentioned, there are. So it's a really interesting touch on. Thank you. Um, and just very briefly, um, sort of, was your experience getting... So I know everyone's mentioned so far that they didn't get in on their first shot. Was um, sort of your experience the same in the sense as Tinez, in the sense, even though Tinez had already done an internship, but he still had to go through the whole process? Did I assume you had to start from the very beginning and go through to the end as you hadn't had any familiarity previously? No, absolutely. That's right. Um, so yeah, I didn't do an internship, which in retrospect, I probably should have uh, done um, just to give you that exposure. Uh, and realistically, it will just give you a, a leg up. But uh, having said that, yeah, there's definitely other ways into the civil service besides the, the fast stream, of course. Uh, but yeah, in terms of my personal experience, my personal journey, um, yeah, in retrospect, I might have spent a little bit too much time in university. I think uh, I ended up with two bachelor and two master's degrees. So I spent a fair bit of my time in uni. Um, after that, um, yeah, I was really done with learning. I really wanted to get get out there and yeah, get, get involved, um, which is when I um, yeah, did some consultancy work. But personally, that I didn't really find that all that challenging or particularly meaningful in terms of the, the things that I was contributing towards. 
Um, so I really started to look for, for something else, like I said, something more meaningful where I could have more of a personal impact. And yeah, some friends of mine had applied for, for, for the fast stream and gotten on, had really positive stories. And that's effectively how I learned of, of the civil service of the, the fast stream. I mean, as you be able to tell by my accent, I'm not from the UK originally. I'm from, from the Netherlands. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that was just an added, well, well, in my my opinion, benefit of, of being able to to work in a foreign civil service effectively, uh, but that that has been a really really interesting experience. Brilliant, thank you very much. I did have a few more questions, but I'm very conscious of time. Um, so we've presented, uh, we've opened the questions to the students. Um, so if I start sort of asking the questions for the students, so the first one was for Andre. Andre, um, you mentioned that you put your CV on a recruitment website. Are you at liberty to say which one or can anyone make any recommendations? So would you like to uh, elaborate on that if you can, Andre, please? Sure. Um, I, I, I actually can't remember. It's one of the big ones. Um, I think I just put them in all of them and just one of the ones eventually responded to me. Uh, it really wasn't that exciting. I'm going to put two links into the into the. Um, into the chat. Uh, so one's for the uh, success profiles, which is the primary uh, recruitment kind of methodology or assessment criteria, I would even say for for uh, civil service. And the other one's just for the civil service jobs website. Um, yeah, also, can I just make one more pitch, which is that the pay is actually not that terrible. Uh, there are lots of rumors about, about government public sector pay. And that might uh, be an issue at the top levels of the, of the organization. So maybe, 10 to 15 20 years down the line but um initially very comparable to anything you get in the private sector thank you um and georgie if i may ask um how did you a question from zara how did you prefer prepare sorry for the application process so i'm gonna um be open and honest here after the other three have have said that they didn't make it on first try in the fast stream i applied for the fast stream and i didn't get it in it first try however I'm not sure whether they still do this I think they do in some departments they hold a reserve list for 12 months many jobs do which are oversubscribed with excellent candidates and they become a pool of um of of resource to to pick and choose for for other teams um to get someone in a bit quicker than rather rather than going out and recruiting um, another round so it's worth bearing that in mind um and I was appointed on, on that basis versus um, any sort of formal application process. So merit was given to me that I'd done the assessment centre, um, met a level which meant that I was, I was able to be directly appointed rather than go through another application process. So um, the way that that played out was I got a phone call uh, one day at work from, from a lady within the cabinet office HR. Um, he said, we have your name on a list here. Um, would you like to come for an informal conversation with um, a vacancy holder? Tell me a little bit about the role. Um, and the week later, I had that conversation in, in the office in, in One Horse Guards Road when we were allowed to go back there. Um, and I was appointed bar ex accepting security checks about a couple of months later. Um, so it was a fairly quick process and it's a way that you can bypass um, applying again. Um, and I fully expected not to get it. Um, I fully expected to be a little bit disappointed after the fast stream um, didn't go through. Um, but 
I bear that in mind. That's something which not a lot of people know about. Um, there is a pool, a 12 month reserve list, which um, departments and teams can, can pick upon. Um, and I didn't really prepare for it. I'll be on, quite honest. Um, go in there thinking that you can do it, um, especially when you get to interview and give yourself that little pep talk, which, um, you know, a, a senior a senior member of your family might give you or a friend. Um, and I would say, believe that you can do it. Um, as so long as you sort of prepared competency questions, thought about what they may ask you in relation to that job role, um, you're probably good to go. And again, sort of um, linking to Andre's link there on success profiles, have a read of those. Um, have a read of what you may need to accentuate in terms of your skills and behaviours um, and have those in mind. Perfect. Thank you very much. Um, Tinez, if I can direct this question at you, um, in terms of the internship, how does the assessment and application process differ for EDIP, SDIP and FastStream? And that's from Srishti. Thank you. So I was like, yeah, I was just looking at this question just to figure out what the different stages are, because I because uh, the EDIP, the Early Diversity Internship Program was introduced after the Summer Diversity Internship Program. So they, so it's, a bit, it's one of the newer ones. But as from my knowledge, and I am prepared to be corrected if I'm wrong, and there is always more information available on the civil service website about the specifics of the application. But from my knowledge, each of the stages, so starting from the EDIP, which you can apply for at the end of your first year, it's a uh, pared down a version of the uh, full fast stream process. So that's the online tests and the situational judgment and the uh, e-tray and video interview. So the EDIP is sort of a very, very pared down version because it's only, I think, for a, a week or one, a couple of days uh, internship in the summer in the first year. And the second year, uh, as I said, when, when I did it, 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 it I, I pretty much did all of the stages uh, that I did for the fast stream uh, apart from a video interview, because at the time when I did my SDIP, I did the telephone interview, which was the procedure at the time. And if you do get the SDIP and you get the fast pass, as I said, if you then apply for the fast stream, then you get the uh, you get to skip straight to the assessment center stage as opposed to having to redo the early stages. I'm sorry that wasn't the most comprehensive of answers, but uh, as I say, a lot of the information you need and the latest adjustments to the various assessment processes which are changing because of COVID and also, uh, you know, trying the civil service trying to stay innovative uh, obviously changes every year. So I would definitely urge everyone to check out the website when the window opens. Perfect. And Martine, uh, there's a question direct for you. Are there any requirements for non-UK nationals in terms of residency requirements? And that's from Wahid. I think that's on a lot of students' minds, just because there's a lot around sort of UK, EU nationals, etc. So can you elaborate on that? Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, of course, things like that are changing at the moment. So, um, yeah, I'm you might want to check the civil service fast stream website for particulars there. But at the time that I applied, uh, all you really had to be, I mean, obviously you had to have the right to work in the UK and uh, me being a Dutch citizen, that meant that, yeah, I was also a European citizen, therefore able to, to move to the UK and I had the right to work here. Um, so yeah, that for me, basically meant that I had met, met those criteria. Um, I think there are cri uh, specific criteria on, on, yeah, on either on residency or nationality, um, but um, yeah, might just want to check what, how and if, if and when they, those have changed or are about to change because of uh, yeah, the end of the transition period. 
can I can I just quickly pipe up? Um, so I'm also a dual national. Uh, I'm a British national and, a, well, as you can probably guess from the surname, I'm a Russian national. Um, the, uh, be nationality, as long as you've got a right to work in the UK, uh, uh, the nationality requirements are relatively, uh, relatively kind of simple. Um, I think for some roles they are restricted for obvious reasons, but for most roles they are open to. I think it's UK and Commonwealth citizens and maybe EEA as well. Uh, I would, I would, I would, I would double check on some some jobs are different. So I would just double check when you do your jobs. Um, it it should be very clear there. Thank you. Um, and Tunez, uh, if I can just direct us here. So Isabel has asked, do you have to have a specific undergraduate degree, politics or related areas to go into the civil service, or is any degree a good degree? Because I think a lot of students here today are from various different backgrounds. Yes, absolutely. I, I would uh, say it does, uh, as, as with other, a lot of the other advice that we've given, uh, it doesn't really matter. You don't need to have a specific background or a specific grounding or a specific degree. You don't necessarily need to have a master's degree, as I see, I've see. i seen one of the other comments was alluding to. It's not. It's all, all about your interests and about your passions. If you have ish passions and interests in any areas, that's what I would say pursue. But in terms of getting a role within the civil service, there are so many roles and you will become a specialist if you want to do policy and you want to become a specialist like uh, I'm trying to be with uh, welfare policy, you will be adopt those skills and that knowledge by being in post. But I think by leaving yourself open and just exploring your passions and not pigeonholing yourself and trying to maybe study what you think you need to study in order to get to where you want to be uh, is not necessarily my chosen uh, recommendation. I think study what you want, do what you want, and there will always be an opportunity or a pathway within the civil service or within public policy for you. And you will always get the support that you need to develop the knowledge and the expertise that you need once you're there. So don't try and pigeon yourself too much this early on. Brilliant, thank you. And um, if I direct this at Andre, um, what would you say your top tips for success in the civil service fast stream video interview stage are? Uh, I, can I pitch this to one of my other colleagues? I didn't. I was one of the last cohort to do a face-to-face -face interview during my uh, assessment centre. So I am not. I. 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 I, uh, I. Any questions about the up to the current process? Probably best re, uh, targeted at those. I've, it's, it's been four years since I last did it. <laughs> okay, brilliant. Thank you for being so transparent. Tunez, would you like to take that one? Just yes, so what, what was the question again? Sorry. Um, what would you say are your top tips for success in the civil service fast stream video interview stage? Perfect. Thank you. Uh, so uh, as George has uh, alluded to often, I would get myself very familiar with the uh, strengths and behaviours that you'll see online that I'm sure someone's shared. I think Andre shared in the chat. Look at the leadership behaviours and become sort of very familiar with those. Those are the, sort of the core competencies and sort of skill sets that you'll be uh, looking to explore examples on. Uh, one of the I, I often get asked to do one off coaching calls by uh, students because I get contacted through the UCL alumni page uh, so I normally give sort of this advice to people who get in touch uh, make sure that you test your tech uh, and don't leave it to the last minute because you normally get five days turnaround from when you finish one stage to complete the video interview so make sure you uh, try and complete the video interview uh, sort of day three or day four so in case you encounter any technical issues you still have the chance to finish it uh, and also test the tech beforehand and also rehearse 
doing some sample answers and talking to yourself on camera because a video interview isn't necessarily you talking to another person you are just talking and recording yourself and response to a, a question that pops up on screen that you have about 30 seconds to prepare for so for some people including myself I found that very awkward so I would advise if you're of a similar nature not just practicing in front of a mirror but actually sitting yourself in front of a computer and recording it as if you were giving an answer and just watch yourself back see if you feel comfortable to get your answers done within the allotted time and uh, so yeah so those are the three things I'd say perfect and Martin or Georgie would you like to add anything to Tinez what Tinez has said I think that's really comprehensive I mean uh, yeah like Tinez found it incredibly uncomfortable to talk to yourself on the screen and especially then to limit yourself to I'm not sure what the, the exact requirements were but let's say a minute or 30 seconds or whatever it was that can be really challenging and you might just start to just blab blabber on uh, yeah so it's good to to practice that George would you like to add anything at all just a, a simple one, really. Um, I've recently had um, a series of interviews and been on interview panels and dressed the part. Um, I got a, um, a document sent over by one of the departments that I was applying for um, with some top tips on not least tech, but also presenting yourself and making sure that you're aware of what's in your background. Like um, you've got a lovely orchid and that's lovely to look at. And there needs to be something in the background which um, perhaps is 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 is, is, is as interesting as what you're saying um but not too interesting so simply dress the part dress for the role um and pretend that it is actually an interview and there is someone behind that screen as as how, however difficult that might be um even perhaps get someone behind the behind the camera behind the webcam um so you are talking to someone or a picture be creative that sounds very um a very interesting advice sort of pretending that there is someone there or asking someone to be there and then practicing practicing and then they get removed from the equation once you do the video um georgie if i could just ask one last question um thinking about the success profiles what kinds of questions might they ask at interview to check these skills are you at liberty to give examples Sure. So I saw that that question pop up and I thought, oh, I'll get out my sample interview document uh, questions. So um, they're all about they're, they're all very open questions. They're not closed questions. They're not trying to catch you out. And they are looking for you to present your your best, your best bits, basically. Um, and, and the best answers to those questions. We're looking for, for ticks rather than negative marking, in a sense, with competency questions and strength based questions. Um, so if I'm looking at um, communicating and influencing as a success behavior, I'm going to be asking you, you know, tell, tell me about or tell us, because it's a panel of at least three, um, about a time when you worked, um, worked to deliver a difficult message and how you handled it. So um, that sort of question can apply to, you know, in work um, and any experience that, that you might have in work or in internships, but also like your personal life. Um, whether you're at university in societies or, you know, with your um, tutor at university. Um, another sort of question is give an example. So give an example of, of when you've delivered a high quality cost effective service. Again, might allude to some sort of volunteering work that you're involved in. Um, what else? I'm having a look and seeing some, some generic ones here. Um, 
tell us about a time when you promoted diversity and inclusion. Um, how do you motivate your team? So you can change that and talk about um, perhaps a group group led piece of work that you had at university and talk about that. Um, so they're very open ended questions and they're looking for you to to um, tick boxes rather than cross boxes. And it's worth noting that there may also be follow up questions for the panelists to to probe and um, answer and enable them to tick a box rather than cross a box. Um, so follow up questions are a good thing. Perfect. Thank you. And um, if I just ask one final wrap up questions to each of the panelists. So, Tinez, if I start with you, if you were a student in the audience today who was looking to work within the government and policy making, what advice would you have wanted to hear? Yeah, I'd say uh, be curious and stay curious. I think one of the things about policy is that there it's it is about delivering real world outcomes and it's about being uh curious about what's already happening and curious about what people want and being inventive so I think you know staying curious being inquisitive asking lots of questions I think that's a really key part of being a policy official and delivering the best recommendations to our ministers because we're not just trying to give what we think they want to hear but we're trying to give the best recommendations of what we think the best solution is and that involves being curious and being creative so that's what I'd say. Perfect thank you and if we go to Martin uh, would you like me to repeat the question at all? Um, no, I mean, that, that's absolutely fine. I think that is a really important one. Um, don't be afraid to ask questions, get involved, even if you, you might already know the answer to your question, ask it anyway. It is really about developing those relationships as well. So uh, even if they're silly questions, even if you might already know the answer, just see it as a way in, see it to, to, to get that conversation started as well. And yeah, really start building those relationships. It's really, uh, it can yeah, really be, uh, or yeah, a lot of people actually got in, involved and in, in the work and really put on the blinders and try to get that piece of work finished and then forget that they work in a team, that they work with a lot of other people uh, that either would be able to help them as well. Um, yeah, or, or generally, um, yeah, would just be more helpful to, to serve as a sounding board. And uh, yeah, so I think, yeah, those don't lose track of your your team um be be aware of that as well but generally uh, don't be afraid to ask questions and and get involved thank you um if i can just ask georgie the same question what advice would you have wanted to hear being in the audience today well i guess um contrary to perhaps the other three on the call don't think that the fast stream is everything I know that they probably don't think that either after having a few tries at it um, there are other routes into civil service and I think someone um, asked or a couple of people asked what sort of grades um, are appropriate for someone with a degree and someone with perhaps a, a master's um, I'm just going to highlight that, that it's either higher executive officer or senior executive officer in some departments, they're banded together, but that's sort of what you're looking for. Um, and then not to not to promote the uh, UCL alumni community, online community, but use it. Um, use it as well as LinkedIn. Um, you've got a wealth of, of other, other UCL alumni who work in different sectors, not least government and public service, um, who graduated recently or a long time ago, who are there to be reached out to um, coach through through application queries, um, even mentored, and I would reach out to that community as they are um, 
we we are sort of just drops in the ocean in that community um and just here tonight but there are so many other people that i recommend that you reach out to and connect with brilliant thank you and andre would you like to add anything to what the other panelists have said I would echo entirely what everyone else has said. Uh, the fast stream is, is 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 pretty cool, but it's definitely not the be all end all. The, um, there's loads of jobs in the civil service. There's loads of jobs in the public sector outside the civil service. They be they graduate or not graduate jobs. Uh, I would also add to what Georgia said that probably aiming for higher executive or senior executive, or maybe even just executive officer, depending on kind of where you pitch yourself, depending on uh, uh, kind of realistically speaking look at the success profiles and assess where you are against them uh, and what other experience you've got uh it's it's is it again it's a lottery just kind of go for it well it's not a lottery it's, it's very much a skill-based lottery but there isn't that uh, there is a there is a certainly a lot component in it just kind of go for it uh don't be afraid of reaching out again what people have said read read like i mean there's loads of kind of think tanks uh there's events there's uh try and talk to people uh kind of i dare say show interest but also kind of genuinely reflect on your career and and i know it's really challenging when you're kind of coming out of university and particularly if you've never kind of had a, a job before uh but try and think about how do you pitch yourself and that's where those connections where the georgia was referring to and others were referring to are massively helpful perfect thank you ever so much thank you to all of our panelists for their perspective thank you very much for your time everyone okay thank you so much for listening to today's podcast we hope you enjoyed this and took something away from the discussion whether that's how you present yourself and your work with confidence how to reach out to other professionals on linkedin or other social media platforms or what you'll need to be successful if you're applying for the civil service. I hope that you now have a few handy tips to help you in taking the next steps you need to reach your career goals. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you again on the UCL Careers podcast.